Hello, my spooky friends. I'm Blair Bathory, your horror host with the most, bringing you the scariest stories from around the world every week on the Something Scary podcast. Thank you for joining us, whether it's your first time delving into the darkness or if you are brave enough to make a return visit. Welcome. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long-lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Words alone might not seem to mean much, but when you say certain words strung together in a specific order, you might be expressing the most harmful statement in existence, a curse. Throughout history, curses have followed families for generations, and sometimes people's terrible words or actions can bring the hex upon themselves. Others might just suffer being the victim of circumstance. First, lifestyles of the rich and dead, followed by killer luck. Then, live feeds can cost your life. Finally, in our featured story, Deadly Family Secrets. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones may get into our podcasts along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com slash snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary at snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? The Cursed Family. Wealth and privilege don't matter if your family is too dead to have anyone to share it with. Like in this story by Anonymous. Maddie Hayden grew up working class, and the people in her family seemed destined to drop out of school or succumb to addictive vices. Her mother abandoned Maddie and her father shortly after when she was born. At 15, she emancipated herself from her father and moved to New York City. She worked her way through college and ended up on Wall Street. By the time she was 30, she was making seven figures and living in a penthouse a far cry from her rocky roots in Alabama. One day, while sitting in her 56-floor corner office, a lawyer came to see her. Apparently, her father had passed away, leaving her the sole heir to her family's estate in Albany, Vermont. Estate? Vermont? This was all news to her. 
The lawyer had paperwork showing her grandfather had moved her father to Alabama when he was a toddler, but the family's estate was indeed in Vermont. Based on the photos and the appraisal, she was about to inherit an $18 million mansion dating back to the mid-1800s. While signing the paperwork, she noticed the lawyer seemed anxious, desperate to finish and leave. As she walked him out, he left her with a strange piece of information. You should know it's cursed. Cursed? She repeated in disbelief. He quickly began to explain. In the late 1800s, her great-great-great-grandmother, Anna, loaned her son-in-law money to purchase a home. Not only did he never repay it, but he allegedly poisoned his mother-in-law so he could sell the house and get himself out of debt. Moments before she died, Anna cursed the family line, swearing that all descendants from now on would struggle and the last person to bear the family name would die tragically, having only known poverty and suffering. And on that, he bottled out the door. Maddie, now preferring her full name, Madeline, didn't believe in such nonsense. Even if she did, why would her grandmother curse her own future grandchildren? It made no sense to her. The following week, Madeline made the trip to Albany, suitcase in tow. The property had been kept clean and tidy, but had always been vacant. Sheets covered the century-old furniture and rooms filled with antiques. She saw hallways covered in ancestral paintings of her family. When she came to a grand depiction of Anna, she gasped. Never had she seen a more haunting woman. Maybe she was capable of inflicting a curse. Dressed in all black, gaunt with bulging eyes, she looked like every evil stepmother in a Disney movie, the literal embodiment of holding a grudge. When Madeline saw the painting of her grandfather, the one who supposedly poisoned Anna, she thought he looked like something out of a Gatsby party, charming and full of life. Madeline unpacked, made herself dinner in a kitchen that had been fully stocked by the staff who'd remained on the payroll for decades, even though no one lived there. Afterwards, she headed to bed, the traveling having made her weary. The plan was to meet early with the real estate agent and discuss plans to sell. In the middle of the night, she woke to a strange noise, seemingly coming from above her bed. When she opened her eyes, a shadowy shape floated over her. Madeline was frozen in fear. Her eyes widened as she slowly recognized the ghost. It was Anna. As the reality of Anna's ghost sunk in, the spirit grabbed Madeline's throat, squeezing with inhumane strength. Madeline struggled to breathe, trying to bat the ghost away, but to no avail. It dragged her onto the floor, out of the room, and down the hallway. Anna's terrifying spirit was screaming, claiming it was time for Madeline to pay the family price. Madeline couldn't get a word out, scraping at her grandmother's hands and arms. Anna held Madeline's dangling body over the stairway. She kept repeating, Maddie Hayden, Maddie Hayden, Maddie Hayden. Madeline realized she was about to follow in the family footsteps and die tragically. But with one desperate swing of her arm to Anna's face, the spirit let her go for a moment, sending Madeline tumbling down the stairs below. As Anna flew to finish Madeline off, Madeline screamed at the top of her lungs. My name is Madeline Tories. Madeline Tories. I am not a Hayden. And just like that, the ghost of Anna froze in midair. 
It emitted a screech so devastating, several glasses smashed in another room, and then, quick as a flash, her spirit was yanked back into the walls, never to be seen again. Madeline, without even knowing, had dodged the curse. When she emancipated herself from her father, she took her mother's maiden name, wanting to be as far away from the Hayden lineage as she could. The act had saved her. Within two weeks, the house was sold for the astonishingly low price of $5 million. Madeline wasn't bothered, determined to rid herself of the Hayden family legacy as fast as possible. She donated the money to an organization that helps children in poverty with their education, proving that just because you're born into a situation doesn't mean you are forever destined to stay in it. Luckily, my family doesn't have a curse that I know of. And if anyone was going to cause one, it would probably be me. But what about you? Could you curse your own family? And would someone in your family be cruel enough to curse you? If you have any stories to tell and you would like to share with us, send it our way at somethingscary@snarl.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In Jewish legend, Asmodeus is the prince of demons. He will torment a woman until he gets what he wants. He has struck many times throughout history, and his targets may not realize he's after them until it's too late. Like in this story, inspired by Sarah. By the time I was 34, I had been married and widowed twice. To say I felt cursed was an understatement. My first engagement ended when my fiancé and high school sweetheart, Andre, died in a motorcycle accident on our wedding day. He was headed to the venue, and according to the police, his brake stopped working and he hit a concrete wall. A few years later, I met Zach, who convinced me that lightning wouldn't strike twice. The wedding and trip to Barcelona went smoothly, and a week into marriage, I began to relax. That was my mistake. Our first day back home, Zach felt unwell. We chalked it up to jet lag and went to bed. He never woke up. I swore off love completely. I felt I was destined to spend the rest of my life alone until I ran into an old grade school friend, Gabriel. He had always been a skinny wallflower, but two decades had served him well. Smart, charming, he too had lost his wife far too young. I'd known him so long that it felt easy to fall for him, but when he asked for my hand in marriage, I freaked out. He consoled me, reiterating he had the same fears about our spousal history, 
but was willing to risk it. Our love would overcome any potential bad luck. I gave in after months of him asking, though I insisted on a quiet wedding. Weeks passed, and it appeared we were in the clear. A few uneventful months went by, and I became pregnant. Gabe was over the moon. Everything was wonderful until the day of the baby shower. Gabe's uncle Rick had a bit too much to drink and began telling me about Gabe's first wife, Elena, who had died. He mentioned that had Elena not died, they would have divorced as neither were happy. This was news to me because Gabe had described it as a perfect partnership. He said the only thing that kept them together was that she had gotten sick and almost didn't make it. She eventually made a recovery but soon after was killed in a car accident. Her brakes hadn't worked. Suddenly, my stomach tightened. Gabe had told me Elena died from a heart attack. He never mentioned anything about a car accident. The details were hitting too close to home. As I listened to Rick, Gabe stared at me from across the room. Within moments, we were back in the car driving home, barely having said goodbye to our host and family. I mentioned what his uncle had told me, He denied any wrongdoing, of course, and I mostly believed him. I mean, both my husbands had died in tragic circumstances, so it was obviously a horrible and strange coincidence. I tried to make light of it, saying how odd it was that three of our spouses seemed to have had similar fates. Gabe was silent. Then he looked at me, a maniacal grin plastered on his face. As long as you stand by my side, Nothing will happen to you. What an ominous thing to say. I carefully asked what would happen if I didn't. Again, silence, the energy in the car shifting. He hit the brakes, looked me in the eye. We've been meant for each other since we were kids, but you were too oblivious to see it because you settled for Andre and I had to marry Elena. I held my breath as he continued. One night, during one of their arguments, he decided to take control of the narrative of his life. He was responsible for getting Elena out of the way, although it took a few attempts. Then he headed straight to the West Coast where he knew Andre and I would be and dismantled the motorcycle. He presumed I would run back home where he'd be waiting. He hadn't counted on me moving across the country and meeting Zach. So he upped the ante, injecting Zach with a needle that left no mark. I sat there frozen by this horrific revelation. What could I have said? I reached for the door handle, but he had locked it from his side. Then he placed his hand on my belly and said, till death do us part. Now, four years and two children later, I sit in our kitchen watching him play with our sons, sipping a coffee he made. And all I can do is fake a smile and keep sipping from the drink I pray he didn't poison. Turns out, I was cursed. Cursed to spend the rest of my life with two beautiful children and a husband who waits on me. I have to admit, there have been moments in my own life where bad luck just kept coming my way and it seemingly would go on forever. But what about you? Have you experienced this? And what do you do to break the streak? If you have any tips for us, send it to something scary at snarl.com to let us know. Social media can be a powerful tool for networking and entertainment. 
But sometimes, always looking for that USP to go viral can end in tragedy, as in this story written by Janine Pipe. You really want to do this? Of course. It's probably a hoax, but if something does happen, we might go viral. Nia watched her friend Hallie playing with a scrap of paper, her face screwed up in concentration. In just over an hour, they would go live. Their social media channels were picking up gaining more and more subscribers each week since they had moved from makeup and gossip to creepy pasta and lore. Nia didn't believe in any of it. She was just happy messing around and having fun with her oldest friend. But Hallie had fallen down the Reddit rabbit hole and had discovered an occult store in the next town over. When she appeared at Nia's house for their live stream that evening with a page torn from a supposed cursed book, Nia wasn't surprised. She just thought Hallie had been duped. Hallie claimed the book had just appeared in front of her, that it manifested on the shelf in the store and she had to open it. When she did, a loose page fell out and she felt that she had to take it. Maybe that's what she wanted to believe. She hadn't dared to look at it, merely scrunched it into her pocket and ran straight to Nia's house. There, out of breath and a wild look in her eye, she explained what had happened Presuming Hallie had just set this up, Nia wasn't buying any of it. However, Hallie protested her innocence, claiming if it were the case, she had saved the reveal for when they were on camera. She gingerly unfolded the paper on which she had written five words of language neither of the girls recognized. F-I-bar-a-co-li-a-co-le-gar-zu-de-j. Oh my God, I have to read this on the feed. Nia had exclaimed, practically bouncing with excitement. Then it was time. Ring light on, camera ready, and they were live. Within minutes, over a thousand people had joined, watching, commenting, and seeming to enjoy the chit-chat. When Nia mentioned something spooky would be coming later, the comments went wild, more and more people joining, speculating what the spooky something could be, egging them on, telling them to get on with it. Hallie was starting to feel on edge. She didn't believe for one moment reading aloud that gobbledygook would make anything happen, but she had also seen adults who should know better get freaked out playing Bloody Mary. The power of collective belief and psychosis could make them all believe something had happened. She took a deep breath as Nia gleefully presented the leaf of paper to the camera. Fee bar a li a and nothing happened. Hallie actually looked disappointed. She screwed up her face and squinted at the words. Fee bar a li a le gar zu di. She repeated using a slightly different pronunciation. Nia actually snickered and looked annoyed as she'd expected a loud bang of thunder to emphasize the reading. Oh, give it here. Nia cleared her throat, giggled, and then read the five words again, interrupting the pronunciation again, just slightly different. F-I-bar-a-co-li-a-co-le-gar-zu-de-j. There was a flicker, and then the ring light dimmed slightly as the camera shut off. What the? Hallie quickly switched their feed back on, but there was no one watching. She switched from YouTube to Instagram, hitting go live. 
Nothing. Jumped on TikTok. Common if you can see this. No replies. They scrolled through their phones. None of their platforms were updating almost as if there was no one there to update them. Nia ran downstairs where her parents had been in the kitchen making dinner, where her sister had been sitting doing her homework. They were gone. The TV was on, showing the local news channel as always during dinner prep. The feed was continuing to run, but there were no anchors. No one in front of the camera or behind it. Hallie joined her and they ran outside onto the street where usually cars would be driving past, neighbors arriving home from work, kids from soccer or play practice. But there was silence. No cars, no people, not even a bird in the sky. That was one year ago today. Hallie and Nia are still traveling, still trying to find anyone, anything that might be alive. They still don't know if they caused the end of the world as they knew it, if that piece of cursed paper made everything with a heartbeat disappear, or whether it is they who are trapped inside another dimension. But they continue to search, to live stream, and to hope, unsure as to where one dimension ends and another begins. What would you do if you came across a supposed cursed object? Would you be brave enough to say the words out loud? Have you ever tried something like this? Tell us about it and send us a story at somethingscary@snarl.com. Family tradition is something that typically brings everyone together. But in some families, tradition is there just to keep everyone alive. Most of my friends grew up in religious households, practicing a form of religion. But whenever they asked me which faith I belonged to, I couldn't tell them. My parents never went to a church or a synagogue, and my grandparents never spoke of prayer or worship. But that didn't stop me in trying to find out why. One weekend at my grandparents, I had asked them if they knew what faith we practiced. Were we Protestant? Catholic? I reiterated that a century ago, everyone had a religion. And I had asked this many, many times before. My grandpa rolled his eyes, but my grandma had enough. She went into her locked armoire where she kept her good china. She moved the central display plate, revealing a small door with a lock at the back and she took a key from her necklace that I had never seen before and opened up a compartment, pulling out a small carved box. She turned and sat it in front of me. The detailing in the wood was ornate with a pentacle carved into its top that gave me an eerie feeling. When Graham opened up the box, I was stunned by what was inside. It was horrific. Multiple human teeth, a token of human hair, an old gauze-like cloth stained with one drop of blood and tiny scrolls of recipes. The smell was horrendous and I started to gag. My grandfather stepped forward and snapped the box shut. He was clearly upset with my gram for showing me. They began to argue in a language I've never heard them use before. He grabbed the box and the key and put it back in its spot and locked it up. He reassured me our family no longer practices that religion and they kept the box as a reminder of all the damage it had caused. 
He said that the trinkets kept us all safe and that was the end of the discussion. When I tried to ask a question, I was shut down and told not to bring it up again. The whole thing shook me up. Now, luckily for me, when in doubt, you asked the internet. I went home and spent the next few days Googling everything. The same thing kept popping up. Paganism and the pentacle were a sign of protection. Present day pagans also have a ton of forums and subreddits. Everything seemed harmless until I began chatting with someone called Neo Occult 5. When I told them what I had seen in the box, they replied, not only was it old school, but it should only be open in front of someone who was deliberately Wiccan. Meaning they had essentially been baptized into the sect, which clearly I had not. They began to pray for me and my safety. I asked what could happen and they said whoever's remains was in the box were now allowed to imprint their spirit upon me to connect to this world. The ritual went back to the 1500s, so perhaps my gram didn't know the danger, but based on my grandpa's reaction, he did. I left the chat and ran to my grandparents' house. I opened the door to find them sitting on the den floor, chanting. The box opened in front of them. They were in a trance. And behind the box sat a creature, seemingly human, but bone thin with papery gray skin. It opened its eyes and saw me, and their chanting suddenly stopped. This was a creature whose remains I saw in the box, who, according to Neo Occult 5, was now imprinted on me. It lifted its hand and pointed at me, freezing my whole body. I began to float towards it, unable to resist its pull. My grandparents' eyes were rolled back and all I could see were the whites in their eyes. I was now inches away from this face of this golem-like creature. He grabbed my face and pulled me towards him, opening his maw and breathing into me. Its spirit began to travel from its mouth and into mine. I couldn't do anything. I was paralyzed and helpless. Then, out of nowhere, my grandfather shot up and grabbed the creature away from me. This in turn snapped my gram out of her trance as well. Together, they held its body down and began to chant over and over. Eventually, the creature disappeared, leaving behind only the skeletal remnants I had previously seen. They threw everything in the box, closed it, nailed it shut, and locked it away for safety. They told me they couldn't destroy the creature, but only keep it hidden away. Now it was passed down to me to ensure no one else would open it. And after that day, I understood why. Now, when someone asks me if I have a religion, I say confidently that I do, but we no longer practice it for everyone's safety. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Annie Villalobos. Executive produced by Gil Gilman. 
Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Lunderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams.